0: This crazy world we live in when people use the word geek it can create certain impressions in reality geek culture has never been more mainstream let's learn about the real people behind the stereotype i'm your super dummy paul this is geek
1: My name is Jack. Um, I am a co-presenter of Seasons Greetings along with Tony Farina. Uh, we are currently covering Buffy and we have done Seasons 1, 2 and 3. Uh, moving away through all of the uh, seven seasons before I believe we're going to go on to Angel to do the full kind of Slayer verse. Um, in terms of what I do personally, um, I, I, I just post all my kind of random thoughts and reviews and opinions on my Twitter feed and on a WordPress site um, because I'm just cheap and that's free. Um, And really simple to use because it just means I can upload it and just get it out there real quick. Um, I don't tend to write too much. It will just be, I thought this about this comic, you should read it. Um, So I throw all of that out there. um, And it's almost just like a running diary really of my uh, consumption of of TV, movies and, and comics. I had a Tumblr site for a long time which I just dipped in and out of um and then I moved across to WordPress not there was no goal with it really um I don't know why I did it I just one day decided I wanted to keep a record of of what was going on culturally for me um I thought it'd be interesting to go and look back on you know um when did I watch that film if I wanted to check something or how many times have I seen this have I read this comic or seen this movie or um but it as sometimes these things do, I opened up all these wonderful avenues where Tony was the first guy who came across some of the stuff I was writing about Firefly um, and asked me to come onto his indie comic spotlight to talk about the Firefly comics. Um, Other than also the nice interactions you just generally get sometimes on, on Twitter. I tend to, um, I, I, I don't, I had Scott talking about this on his podcast this week, actually, this idea of like trolling and, um getting abuse from people I don't I, I seem to have avoided that whether I'm just I don't have enough presence or whether what I say is just not very controversial I don't know but um yeah I've never seen to have encountered that really um and which I'm pleased for because you know with the comics emotions guys and there's a few other people like Nurse chatting and jack and the geek stalk uh we have a hulk these these kind of like little pockets of um of geekdom of people who just want to be there to celebrate and to have interesting discussions and um so obviously you find all these people because you you watch something or read something at a similar time to them and that's how i like i've been listening to scott's 20th century geek for a while before then getting to meet him through the comics animation. um yeah so maybe about a year ago i think i started just uploading every time i yeah i read or watch something so there was this little network so it was in the build-up to infinity war um jack and the geek were doing a MC rewatch which i'm sure a lot of us were like i was doing my own one and uh, with my partner and they were just asking for people to comment whenever they would watched one of the movies so as i was roughly in line with them i think i was a couple ahead every time they were asking for it and then they had a little group called the Geekstalkers, which they reached out and said do you do to join this group it's just you know a group of people who like we were saying before just chat about geeky stuff that they like um we wrote a few articles as as a group together. Um they've dropped off a little bit. Uh, I think they're just very busy people. They've got kids and I think a wedding to organise and all this kind of stuff. So they've gone quiet, which is a shame because they're a really genuine bunch of people. Um so I sort of entered that little network there and then found, yeah, we have a whole Generge chatting and I found Dan through that kind of little avenue. And I remember him talking about the fact he was gonna launch his own podcast and it was gonna be on this kind of alternative media, this Films you might not have heard of, or you know, weird kind of comic characters, and it just sounded really interesting. So, I think I was probably on from the first episode, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. Um, because I I sort of was aware it was coming out, like he, because he'd been announcing how it was going to start. Um, yeah, he does, he likes to refer to me as his biggest fan, which is very sweet. Um, and he's got his, um, 50th no 100th episode which we did together so i came on as almost like a here's my biggest fan let's have a chat um and then three hours later it was epic we just kept going and going and going um he had the shakes because he hadn't had any dinner i don't think so it was like 11 o'clock at night and he's like right we should better stop now i better go and get some dinner and um yeah that's great so that's coming out about a month's time so it was really nice to have like a face-to-face because you spend all this time talking to these people over twitter and Discord or whatever it might be, um and then you feel like as soon as you' have done any kind of face to face there's kind of an you've broken a barrier of getting to know somebody like you already feel friendly with them, but I think just a simple face to face suddenly it feels like you are friends, it feels much more genuinely, and I think he felt the same way, which is why he wanted to make kind of a big event of it because we've been communicating for years, and obviously, particularly in the time we live in now for the last year, you can't meet up with anyone um He's up north, I'm in London, um, which, you know, you would make the effort if you could. And 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 there was a facility to do that around what else is going on in the world. In terms of a job, I'm a secondary school teacher. Um, so I teach year seven to 11, so 11 to 16 year olds in English. Um, and, you know, I always find my way to drop in if I can, any kind of comics or um, particularly at the school I work at um, you know you do have reluctant readers and I know comics aren't always the answer to that but but, but you can sometimes capture some kids through that so yeah I teach 11 to 16 English and then I teach 16 to 18 so sixth form as we call it I know some people call it college or I don't know what um, film studies so that's when I can really unleash my geek side and I studied a film degree um, so I do enjoy teaching English but that's where I really come alive I think and I have had several students across the years saying like we had you for English and you know you're a decent teacher thanks for that but when you're a film studies teacher you're like a different person and it's true isn't it like when you're doing something you you care you're passionate about even in like a work setting um and also they're about older so when they're 16 to 18 you can communicate with them a bit different I think but yeah I, I do feel myself I get that tingle like sometimes when I'm teaching film where like I feel like I'm actually imparting something that I know and they're learning from English always feels like, um, I'm always reaching a little bit, particularly if I'm teaching smart kids or, you know, high ability kids, they're already smarter than me at this age as it is anyway. Um, And it's not my background. So I feel like I'm kind of reaching to get them to get to where they need to go. Whereas film, I always feel like I'm slightly ahead. So it's always quite exciting. And you just see the little looks on their faces. I use a scene from, although it's not film, from the Handmaid's TV show, often to talk to them about. And it's just two characters, I don't know if you've seen it, Um, it's just two characters stood in a room, They're having marital problems, I mean, unsurprisingly, in the horrible Handmaid's Tale world. Um, And the way that the director shoots them both, and there's a mirror behind um, the husband, and you can see her reflected in the mirror, it's brilliant. There's so much going on that I can just show these kids these stills, and I'm getting excited doing it and I, you mean, know, what they've done here, and you can read into this and there's subtext here and they don't need to talk, you can tell what's going on in their relationship, and there's a close-up of a ring and the ring's between them in the room, but it's slightly nearer him because he wants to uh, make the marriage work and she's not interested. And I'm going into all this with the kids and I'm getting excited. And then you start to see their little brains wearing and like they didn't understand. there's this level of storytelling going on often in kind of cinematography and mise-en-scene and the set design and all that kind of stuff so it's so exciting when you get that kind of little moment with them and that that's one that seems to capture them quite often um so yeah when i can i bring that geeky world across into into my teaching definitely in my classroom i've got it set up so i've got um behind my desk i've got like my favorite books and comic books and films um so it's got like front covers or, or film posters, um, which I think is important because that gives them a little flavour of who I am outside of when I'm standing there um, performing. Because that's what teaching is, right, really. You're performing. I'm not being myself. I'm putting on a, an act for, for these kids whilst I'm doing the job. So they see that little glimmer of who you are. Um, and there's a little kind of Avengers section dedicated. Just because, I mean, obviously I do love it because I've grown up reading comics. Um, but it is good to have that little thing that might capture them and it's current and it's popular and you know if I'm still doing this in ten years' time, I may need to change that little selection and put something different up. Um and it's a little bit manipulative, I suppose, but um it, it's it's an avenue to try and start a conversation sometimes with a student when they don't want to or they're they're having a bad day or they're pissed off of because you 'cause you've told them off or whatever it might be. Um they'll come in and oh you like Avengers, do you sir? And it, you know, it just gives that little bit of, of something sometimes. It's Um, it's quite quite useful and it's interesting around the conversation we're having today and that I'm sure we'll get there how being a geek wasn't a good thing when I was growing up being a geek now is the best thing to be so um you have those little ways to communicate with each other which is good I guess there's always going to be those people who who would shy away from from the term I don't know why um There'll always be a stigma, I suppose, from a certain group of people, perhaps, about it. But um, I think it's become much more broad, hasn't it, what that term means now. You can be a bird-watching geek, you can be a train-spotting geek, you can be a stamp-collecting geek. Like It it, it, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? That term just means you're really interested in something. It doesn't mean you're somebody to be shunned because of what your interest is, which I think is what it used to mean. Do you know um andy angry andy i know the name he's another twitter guy that i'm friends with he's linked with spider dan as well so i met him through him i think they were they were good friends before you know kind of youtube and podcasts and he reviewed thunder force and there's a section that movie a movie i'm never going to watch let's be honest melissa mccarthy like superhero movie it looks like a bit like hancock with will smith but really really bad um just even from the trailer and, you know, he, he was not favorable in his review, um, but he does it so we don't have to, right? He can just watch it and suffer through it and just tell us not to bother, which is great. Um, but there's a section in that film where they do this whole kind of like, oh, you're a nerd, you're a nerd. He was talking about this in his review and it being like a negative stereotype, which is so not current, which is just a really weird thing to have in a comedy in 2021. Because there's so many areas of geek and nerd celebration now within popular culture, but outside of it as well, that it feels really like, um, it, just feels, yeah, it just doesn't feel contemporary at all. It feels like a script, maybe a line in a script that's maybe been sitting around for 10, 15 years and they haven't bothered to change it. I've got a brother that's eight years older than me. I was born in 1980, so uh, yeah, I'm 41 now. So he was eight years older than me. So I was lucky in that way that it, it, he was bringing all this into into my sphere, I suppose. So, you know, you think about something like Star Wars, um, you know, 1980, he's eight years old. He was probably old enough to have gone to cinema. I don't know if he did, but he was probably old enough to have gone to cinema to see Empire Strikes Back. I mean, he could have been taken to see that. Obviously, me at zero, I wasn't. Um, but, you know, we had all those old Kenner kind of toys, you know, Star Wars duvet sets. So that was probably my first big experience, but because it was in the house, it was there for me. Um, and, you know, by the time I'm, obviously we're we'll fast forwarding quite quickly, but by the time I'm 10, he's gone, he's gone off to university. So all those kind of wonderful things that he had there, I'm getting into that kind of peak age of, of using and playing with. Um, so Star Wars is probably my first way in because of the toys i think which i think i guess for a lot of people it, it was as well um and then obviously the experiencing the movies and then being able to reenact the scenes and so i think that's probably my first way in he-man as well maybe the cartoon and we had quite a few of those toys kicking around um and then i spoke about this when i was first on tony's show he he was a big comic reader which is how how the interest started for me. I mean, obviously we're in the mid eighties here where he's um, a teenager and we know we're getting, um, you know, Watchmen and uh, Dark Knight Returns and V for Vendetta, I think is maybe similar area, maybe a little bit later, but I, I do vividly remember I used to sneak into his room when he was out. Get the comics I wanted to read. Carefully take them out of his, his. You know, he was already at that, you know, at that point of like cellophane, keeping them really careful. I'd read them, make sure I was really careful, put them back, and I'd be, you know, there'd be no evidence of it. And I genuinely think to this day he still doesn't know, um, because you know he hasn't bothered to listen to the podcast I was on with Tony. Um, yeah, so I can keep telling this story because he's he's not listening, so it's fine. Um, so that was my first exposure to comics, definitely. Um. And it's, you know, it's a little brother, big brother thing, right? Like, he likes it, so it must be cool. He's a lot older than me. You don't understand that, however age I was, seven, that what he's into isn't trendy and popular and and current. It just, it looked interesting. It was colourful. It had cool superheroes. So, yeah, I wanted to read him. Um, And there are some comics which I can still remember parts of or... Um, or maybe don't even exist. But in my head, I remember like that was something I read because I snuck in there and got it. And one of one of the key ones is the is the Claremont and Miller Wolverine Japanese Wolverine in Japan like um, four issue mini series, which definitely was too mature for me to be reading at that age. But it was there and nobody hid it, so I, so I read it. Um, and we all watch films too young, don't we? So I guess you know comics is just another avenue for doing that 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 was that early journey and then it was films for me and it, as much as I love comics it, film has been my big passion really my whole life um I was lucky enough to have a little local video shop literally two minutes down the road from me um so that's where all my pocket money went was down there renting videos um and then from an early age I had like you know tv and video player in my room so I was watching whatever I could get my hands on it on there and the other thing which you know kids can get away with can't probably can't get away with now like we could do when we were younger um was recording stuff off tv um particularly because i had a blank video cassettes and a video player in my room so you know great there's a showing of terminator on tonight i'll record that and at 10 years old i'm watching the terminator and die hard and aliens and um because uh, you know, I don't want to throw my mum under the bus here, but maybe you know she, she was not keeping her eye on that as closely as she should be. But um, that really kind of informed my, you know, passionate interest. And some of those films and some of those comics are still my very favourites to this day. Which I think is, I think probably is true for a lot of people that that early stuff that really gets you passionate about whatever it is, stays with you. I mean, I'd put the first Terminator in my top ten of all time, and I would happily argue with somebody why that first Terminator is better than Terminator 2, despite all the obvious reasons why uh, someone might think otherwise. Um, for me, for me, I would always come back to that first one and it's probably because I had that VHS copy recorded off TV that I obsessed over and watched over and over and over, um, thinking how cool it was that I was watching this really grown up 18 rated, I think it's 18 rated, 18 rated movie. So I guess that's my early, that's my early journey through geekdom. Definitely. And, you know, like football, watching and playing came in in the teenage years. Um, and then part-time job, so money, going out drinking, girls, all of that became a priority, I think film stayed with me. That was something that was just kind of my time, um, or watching with mates, of course, but, but you know, that time that I had at the end of the day in my room, um. But comics drifted away for quite a while, I'd say. I'd still be reading some. Um, I read, uh, but things that I would hear, I heard really good things about. So, you know, When the Walking Dead came out and mm. um Hundred Bullets and Why the Last Man. So these were just so, like, being so celebrated. I was picking those up and reading those. Um, but other than that, like, by monthlies, I went away for a really a really long time um, until sort of the mid probably so my mid-twenties um but then you know again money probably around that kind of idea you know i'm probably in a i was in a settled job by that point Mm -hmm. a bit more disposable cash you know a couple of years out of university um so i got back into comic books around then i'd moved up to london and there's forbidden planet um up in town yeah i'd go and frequent um pick my comics up from there that's something I miss doing actually. Um, (laughs) I've gone, I've gone all digital now because it's just space and time and money and, um, but I miss that browsing the shelves and finding that, Oh, I've never heard of that. I'm going to pick that up today and take that home. I just don't do that now. Um, I look for my recommendations from everyone else who's who's doing that. So yeah, comics went away for quite a while. Yeah. Film stayed with me though. Definitely. (laughs) And then we kind of hit that golden era of what well, I feel like is golden era. I know people say now is the best era of TV and there was some really good stuff, but we hit kind of a golden era of, of TV. I know we have like bronze, silver, ages for comics. I don't know if we have this for TV, but, um, unsurprisingly, I'm a massive Buffy fan. Um, but then we had a kind of quite a few, kind of, then we had like 24 and, mm. uh, lost, um, Battlestar Galactica all within kind of you know a five-year period as well. So that kind of um, post 9-11, I suppose, because Bats Like Action 24 were real reactions to that, weren't they? But yeah. that kind of, again, early 2000s, I think we had some really good TV around that time. Um, and I think that was the first wave of, oh, wow, TV can actually be as good uh, as, as films. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can be sitting at home and watching, you know, getting, getting Keith Sutherland at that point to act in a TV show was a real big coup. Hmm. Um, as good as Battlestar Glasgow so he got no name really um, but Peter Southern was, an, was a Hollywood actor he was a movie actor um, you know maybe not A-list but at this point of his career but he was a he was a movie star um, it, there, was, there was that kind of era of that happening where like people were seeing TV as another avenue I've never been a gamer really um, that's just sort of passed me by in life really I don't know why other than You know, I had a NES, I had a SNES, I had an N64, but I've never really been into, you kind of open world or I probably would be if I ever had the time or made the time is fair, made the time for that. Um, But other things have always taken priority.
0: You might be one of those people if you start picking
1: it up, we'll lose you for months. Yeah, probably. I think that's probably right. Um, (laughs) Which with an eight-year-old and a two-in-the-house 2 in the house you know, I don't quite have that time right now, maybe another 10 years. Yeah. Um, I'll, you know, there'll be, a, there'll be PlayStation 20 and I'll, I'll get a PlayStation 5 from somewhere that's just barely working and spend 15 years catching up. I think for comics, the, the things I remember drawing me in is, is that Wolverine comic I'd spoken about before with some Captain America comics. Um he had quite a lot of 2000 AD which I really feel like I read because he had them and I loved Rogue Trooper. Um but never really kind of got drawn into that world of 2000 AD. I know a lot of people did and and have really, you know, kind of encyclopedic knowledge of all the different comics they they released. I think I I was a little bit obviously I was a bit little bit young for for the for the full um experience i suppose when it was first coming out but the ones he had never really pulled me in. i don't know why um other than i would love to go back and read all of Ray trooper i would really like um to get hold of all of those and and give it a go there was a supposedly i think that duncan Jones maybe he did like moon and source code and warcraft i believe was rumored to be doing a movie of that for a while i'm not sure if that's disappeared or not yeah that was a character i always loved um Escapism was always a big thing um not that my life was awful or anything, but um I just liked this idea of being taken to these kind of other worlds um and having these these other experiences um and I was a big like action figure player as a kid, and that was just all like you know recreating the stories all oh, coming out of my own in my head, but it was always about kind of telling telling or experiencing a story I think um was what I was always really interested in. Um, I've, I've t- I don't know if I've told the story before, but I, I talk about it a lot. Like I went away from, we said like comics in terms of that reading, but I, w- I, I kept that up longer than I did for reading novels. I was that classic kid who just like stopped reading, just saying, like, you know, reading's boring, which is obviously ironic now I'm an English teacher. Um, but it feels like gives me a little bit of insight, I suppose um I don't really believe in fate but sometimes you start talking about things and it starts kind of you know things start feeling like maybe I'm not in have any control of my life whatsoever maybe that had to happen in order for this but I'm going to pretend that 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 isn't true and that I'm in control a master of my own destiny um yeah I stopped I think I think maybe it was it was the passion for film I don't know but yeah I stopped reading novels for just completely went away and I've got quite a vivid memory my memory is not great like again you know The stories that Chris comes out with on his podcast, I just don't know how he has such a clear memory of this stuff. Like my memory is so foggy and hazy of anything past like a couple of weeks ago, Um, but going back years and years and years, I don't know how people do it, but I do have a really clear memory of like being given a set of books and said like, it's important that you continue to keep reading. And these books are going to make you fall in love with reading again. And, you know, you look at your parents for quite a long period of your childhood thinking they're idiots, what they don't know what they're talking about. Everything they say is wrong. Um, but they couldn't have been more right. They gave me Skiller Mockingbird, High Fidelity. Um I definitely vividly remember those two. And I think Handmaid's Tale. Um I was talking to Mum about this the other day. I can't remember what else, but there were there were several books they just put in a apart and they said, look, you're gonna read these you're going to start off not wanting to, but I guarantee you're going to fall back and have a reading once you, once you read them. Um, and yeah, you know, begrudgingly, I have to admit they were right. Um, so yeah, I think I think for me, stories and escapism and uh, yeah, wanting to be transported somewhere else. Like again, it's ironic we're here talking and I'm just relaying stories about myself and I'm you know, not really... A Great at selling myself, I suppose, or um, like thinking introspectively about myself in that way. I'm not a person that can just sit and have space around me and think. um I'm not sure what that's uh, yeah. I don't want I don't want there to be anybody psychoanalyzing what that says about me. I'm just happy living in my ignorant bliss. But I need to fill that void with you know kind of music or a podcast or a book or. Um, although my brain just starts thinking and I don't want to hear those thoughts. So I think that was a, a lot of it as well. It's just like filling that filling that void um, with whatever I can. Um, and that happened to be largely superhero comics and action movies. I, rarely do I... Choose a film in order to you know or a comic or a book or a, in order to experience something that's real. I'm not really into two you know true crime um, series or biographies. Um, I think it's exactly that. I want to be transported somewhere. I want to get sucked into another world. I want want somebody else's imagination to to spark my own and to really interest me. Um, I do attempt to write myself. Um, as many of us do plug away with the hours we can find tapping around a keyboard pretending that are going to become some great novelists um yeah, it's a hundred about escapism and then there's of course there's there's that there's a place for that, and I understand those people who are really passionate about kind of learning and growing and wanting to to um you know, w- w- wanting to, true life to, to inform their opinions and, and who they are as a person. And we, we will do that to an extent, I suppose. But I feel like I can learn as many life lessons from science fiction and dystopian works and, um, you know, satire and subtext. And it, it, it's all there for you to learn and to grow and to form an opinion in it in the same way as it would be watching something that's true. Yeah, I think I like to get away. That's definitely true.
0: So with your own kids, do you mm. kind of push them in certain directions? Do you wave it in front of them, or are you very hands-off and they'll like what they like?
1: <laughs> I'd probably say I'm towards the hands-off like it's around them, so they tend to experience it. And my eldest, obviously the youngest being two, you know, he's not he's not really formed opinions yet. Um, the eldest goes through waves of being really interested in things. So he's watched quite a few of the MCU movies. Um, but has gone off the boil with that and is not really interested at the moment. Um he likes to watch films which I feel passionate about. So we've watched all the Indiana Joneses, we've watched all the Bats of the Futures, we've watched all of Star Wars. Um, but, and that is partly me bringing him to it, but also he likes to, to get in on a franchise and see something all the way through, which is definitely a trait he's inherited from me. Um, that kind of completist sense. So yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's there and for them to be exposed to, and if they're interested, then I'll take them on that journey without forcing it down their throats. I think my partner might argue, uh, a bit more the other way that you know um yes it's there but also you know you do make it very easily available to them um yeah it's gonna be interesting with uh with my youngest um so by my oldest among they're the different mums so that things didn't work out with the first mum, unfortunately um So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting because, of course, kind of when he's with me, so I literally have every other weekend and half the week, so we've got a complete 50-50 split. Um, So I suppose when he's with me, it's kind of like he – she's obviously involved, but he's kind of my my remit, I suppose. Like when it's the four of us, he's my son, right? My youngest is our son, but when it's the eldest, he's my son. Um, So I suppose I have been the leading light there for him in the time that he's with me um he's massively into harry potter because his mum is as well so you know i guess he has got that from from his two parents um but my partner now and my youngest mum yeah i think it might be slightly different experience i think she's a bit more wary in terms of certification and exposing too early to to things so it'll be really interesting to see and it's going to be that same difference again isn't it you know like there's six years between them so as my younger starts to get a bit older and starts to show in things, is he going to go through that similar process that I went through with my brother where um it's there, so I want to be involved and I want to know what it is. Um and how much of that can we get away with when mum's not around. I mean all kids do it, don't they anyway? But um yeah, I mean around the house we've got stuff up. I mean, like if I look this side of the room, we've got Wars and wolverine up and then up the stairs there's a couple more um so I was saying so she really embraces it as well to be fair um you know when you get together with somebody you, you, your interests pull don't know they? they come together um so she's really happy to embrace it and sees the value in it and you know it's picked up reading comics you know um not to the extent that I do but uh, you know if if there's a character that's inspired her she reads she's read every Black Widow comic that's come out since know finding out about the mcu and so she she is somebody who really embraces that kind of um that kind of world so i think this the youngest will find himself being drawn into it as well um yeah yeah it's true it's true i mean you can't i guess you can't help it like you want to you want to impart your your passion and your knowledge for something and your wisdom on uh my eldest is really interested in like how things are made um so he can watch it for the entertainment factor but then he wants to know you know he actually likes watching like the behind the scenes stuff and you know seeing green screens and um how do they do the stunt in Jana jones when he's going underneath uh, the truck in raiders of the lost ark like he wants to know all that kind of stuff we were talking about squibs today and how squibs work. um for when people are being shot in movies and stuff. So, like, he has that kind of inquisitive mind of of what's behind the scenes, uh, which is always really nice to to, to talk about because, again, that's my area of, of interest. And I'm doing that in my day job, so it's crossing over all my worlds, which is really nice. You saw an advert once saying um, about, like, you can go to stuntman school. And he's been... I don't know where he saw it. YouTube, I'm assuming. Um, he's been nagging me ever since... I think it's like once you're a teenager, you know, it's like a summer school type thing you can do, and you can go off and learn how to be a stuntman, which, to be fair, does sound quite cool. (laughs) You'll end up going with him. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure what the age limit up is. Um, But if I'm allowed to get involved, yeah. I, I try to bend my words as much as I can. So if I am teaching English and there happens to be a film adaptation, then if you know, I'll I'll throw that in when I can um and show you some clips. Because I think what I've learned, I've been a teacher for 10 years now. Um, so it was it hasn't been like a lifelong career, I came to a little bit later. What I've learned in that time is that everyone learns in a different way, which is obvious. Like we all kind of know that. But then once you're in a classroom in front of a set of 30 kids, it becomes a lot harder to be able to to manage that and provide that for them every day. Um but you'll lose a kid when you're talking for an extended period of time, you'll lose 10 kids probably in a class of 30. And then when you read in a book, those 10 kids might be really interested, but another five have gone. Um, so I feel like there's real real value in all these kind of different mediums and different areas where you can really gather their interest. So yeah, like, like when I'm teaching, I try, I try to use film clips. Um, I try to have material around that's, there's kind of cross um mediums, I suppose. So, you know, we do, I teach English, so we have to do Shakespeare, right? We have to do one Shakespeare every year. That's really hard when you're eleven. Um, but if you can watch a cartoon of it or you can get the graphic novel version, um it's really I think that that's really important. So I tried to make those available, you know, like audiobooks, audiobooks have massive value um to children who don't like to read and won't sit down and look at a book, but spend half the time with headphones on. Um, so if you can get to listen to an audiobook, then that's great as well. And like I said before, yeah, I think no matter what it is that that anyone's choosing to be invested in, there's there's massive value, right? I mean, science fiction has been a big part of my life, um, and science fiction is about messages and values and telling stories and warnings of like if we keep doing this. This is what the world's gonna be like. Um it's just being done through subtext, right? Or being done through subtlety. Um because particularly historically, you wouldn't be able to tell that story. Um, you know, when you're Fritz Lang and you're making metropolis and you're talking about living in Germany and what it's like being under a a dictatorship you can't make that film but you can make a film set in the future and you can put some you can put some warnings in there about what life might be like um and how power can corrupt and how somebody can try and control life and so yeah i think there's real value in in all of that really um and you can choose to either get lost in it for escapism or you can choose to delve into it a bit deeper and see see the meanings that may be intended and actually even if they weren't intended it doesn't matter that's the meaning you get from it and that's just as equally valid it's just as a, it's a valid reading um i find it really interesting when you hear like authors particularly authors but you hear authors or creators say like that's not what what i meant you know i didn't intend for you to read this book and and, and think this about it i didn't intend you to watch this movie and see references to these other movies in it like i've never seen those films so how could how could i be referencing them on purpose well once you've released it once you've made it and put it on the word it doesn't matter what, what you intended what everyone reads into it and what they see in it and what they understand from it is is all as equally valid um which is a really important point i try to teach to the students you've got to got to hit some parameters in your reading of something because that's what an examiner at this point in your life is going to expect to see You get past that point and then every opinion, every opinion is valid, right? And what you take from what you see in it and what it means to you, most importantly, it is just as valid as anyone else's reading. Um, and I think the things I'm drawn to allow for that, allow for that, allow for kind of different readings, um, and have different layers of, of text to it as well you can hear a riff can't you or you can um a, a song a part of a song or even the whole song like, or even it gets the ending, but like what? it really reminds me of something and then you'll you can find it later on absolutely and I like that idea of it's almost kind of um surreptitious it's just kind of in your subconscious like you you don't mean it but it's there and things just speak to you don't they and they kind of they burrow into you and it's naturally going to come out I think. Um, be through music or art or yeah writing or drawing or whatever it is it's those things which really mean something to you will will find a way back out again back out into the world i think teaching the kids in school is really is really interesting because i can remember being their age i remember being into comics um you wouldn't let anybody know that that's something you do in secret that's something i for myself I'm not bringing a comic into school and saying come on guys come around and read this comic with me um the things you would do that about are the things you know that that felt I don't mean this but that felt like kind of grown up so I remember the the. I don't know if you've heard of the Mary Whitehouse experience that was a big show in the playground when I was growing up because it felt naughty it felt like you shouldn't be watching it. i think it was bbc2 like nine o'clock on like a tuesday night something like that and it was like a comedy sketch show eh? um just sort of pre uh, pre-dating the day-to-day you know i don't know like a year or two or so but we're in that kind of era um so you talk about that because it felt kind of a bit naughty it felt like you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing and we'd go in quoting stuff not really knowing what you were saying and you'd quote it on the playground you certainly wouldn't do that with comics um But now, because of MCU and obviously DC stuff, and and more than that, um, it's much more, it's not even acceptable. It's kind of acknowledged that that's what you would be talking about in terms of the students. I think, um, I don't think it's judged, but I think interestingly, the only people I've had to win over a little bit would be some of my colleagues in terms of teaching and in terms of, you know, what is literature? So there's maybe been a little bit of convincing there because I do try to celebrate comics as much as I can um, in the school setting when it's appropriate. And, you know, we've got a few displays up in the English department where we talk about literature we've read that means something to us or, um, you know, for Black History Month, we'll put a display up that is, you know, kind of significantly cultural books or books from people of colour that you've read. and things like that so i think you know when i've wanted to put things up about comics there there's been a little bit of pushback like we well, you know we're an english department so we need we need a book from me well this is a book from me um just it comes with pictures you know that's fine that's allowed um so i think but that's the generational thing right i don't know because of manga as well manga has been a massive um that's made a massive difference, hasn't it? Like, until, like a lot of younger people go out reading manga now. So, you know, that idea of, like, comics, pictures with words is is just normal to them. Whether that's the only thing they read, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a generational thing, definitely. And I don't, I don't even think, I mean, you know, like, like my age and above, I think, you know, people who are, you know, adults, I suppose, you know, kind of late 20s through to and above that perhaps because they were within a generation where comics weren't regarded as literature um they they take a little bit convincing, but you know i'm sure I'm sure I could sit them down with a few things, and they would they would change their minds um i mean when I went to university, I did a film studies so, you know what I mean we were all as equally geeky at that point um all we all wanted to do was sit in the dark room and. and watch things and then profess our wonderful opinions about it afterwards. Um pretending at eighteen, nineteen, twenty you know what you're talking about. Um pretending at forty one you know what you're talking about. So yeah. Maybe I've just led a really charm life, you know. No trolling, no pushback on, on geeky interests, other than I suppose wanting to keep it to yourself when you feel like you need to keep it to yourself. Which is something, but I think we all go through, don't we, when we're we're younger? That idea of peer pressure and wanting to fit in, and um, you know, have you seen this? Have you got this? Um, you know, right down to kind of—I don't know if it still exists now, but you know, right down to kind of branded clothing and all that kind of stuff. At times, you just want to you want to fit in in order not to stand out, don't you? And I think growing up in that, um, for me, I suppose I'm I'm really looking at early '90s, so that kind of early '90s. Mid 90s period, when I would have really felt that maybe that was a bit of a cause for dropping off from comics that's interesting, I'd not really thought about it before. Um, yeah, that would have been the sort of era when that would have been the sort of thing I wouldn't have spoken to people about, I wouldn't have thought. Also, my brother probably buggered off and took all the good ones with him anyway, so um, which was rude of him, obviously. The ones you would have left wouldn't have been any of the ones which you know I would have been sneaking in and taking out the cellophane to read anyway. Do what interests you, really. If that's standing and for six hours in a river hoping to catch one fish to put it back. Um I don't get that. But if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Um or if it's, you know, you want to sit and devour every hour of vampire diaries so i think doesn't interest me i don't know why that came to mind but it did i was trying to think of something that had a lot of hours or something that i just wouldn't spend any time in and twilight came to mind but there isn't really that many hours of that is there so i tried to find an alternative but um they don't interest me but it doesn't mean that a person's an idiot for for being interested in it i would probably grow up in that supportive environment when i look at all my childhood photos a few years ago my mum moved and um out of our childhood home one of the things she did for all of us when she moved was to give us all our kind of like collection of here's kind of your childhood photos. So we'll see this crossover when we're all together in certain pictures. But it was like, you know, here's the set that really kind of what I think defines you as you were growing up. And my brother got one and my sister got one. Um, and it was all just kind of people playing together with Star Wars, G.I. Joe, yeah, He Man. Um, pictures of me of this friend I had that was down the road, He was a year older than me, you know, just all, just all, it was all Star Wars, to be honest, at that point. Um, and I think we became friends because he had toys I didn't have. So, generally, you know, it was like, hang on, he's got, an, he's got an AT-AT. I haven't got one of those. He seems like a hall guard to play with. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the people I had around me, all like-minded and then as we've you know we don't i don't repeat myself but then i would just keep that insular so if i've met people who are as friendly for for other reasons or you know on the playgrounds with the people you don't want to know that i would just keep keep that away from them um yeah certainly we all grew up and you know my sister's three years younger than me um obviously has her own interests and her own life but she's you know she reads comics she You know, we, we, I guess, you know, she has a very similar kind of interest and outlook on life. Um, so yeah, it clearly was an environment we grew up in that helped to help to shape us. Definitely. My mum was very, um, just very open to us experiencing obviously within safety reasons, but I grew up in a nice little town. I was one of those, you know, white kids in a white town, mostly white town where, you know, it was safe to be out until it was dark and then you could go home. Living in southwest London now, I'm a bit more protective of my two boys. Um, probably, you know, probably not necessarily so. It's a different world we live in now as well, isn't it, than it was then. But, um, yeah, I think we get our safe little cocoon where we were surrounded by people who, who would let us have our interests and let us do what we want and let me record things off TV that I shouldn't be watching.
0: For the those people who do still think, uh, comics, mm. What are you into them? Well, usually I would say, what would you say to them? Mm. But I guess in your case, what do you say to them? <laughs> what do you yeah, say to true. them to sort of bring them round?
1: I just think, um, I think I just talk about the value of them, really. And I think there's two levels to comics, isn't there? I, I, think, I think that is the one what, the one medium, isn't it, that of this realm that we're talking about, which still has a bit of a stigma to it. I think everything else has kind of moved away hasn't it you know t- TV film music uh g- gaming even I think doesn't really have that stigma over it anymore I think because they they're stories now they're not just you know side scrolling and um and jumping and hitting things they they tell kind of full scale stories um the stigma they seem to go away it's just comics and I think yeah there's two levels you can talk about it as being an access for for people who are Reluctant to read. But there is a danger of that, I understand, because that's not what comics is necessarily for. But I think I think that is that is one way to talk about them and I think to to win people over. I don't think it's the only way. But I think there's the idea of the the sophistication of storytelling that goes into comics and the idea that there's there's two you're reading comics twice, right? You're reading the words. But you're also reading the pictures um there's a reason why most comics are written and drawn by different people and that's not to say that they can't be done by by single people i just read um universe because tony covered it on his latest indie comic spotlight show and that was written and drawn by the same guy and like amazing on on both counts but i think it's the level of work is If it's an indie comic and you can release it, when you can release it, it's fine. It's the level of work on a monthly is too much, I think, for one person. But they're two completely different skills, aren't they? Like what you're saying and what you're seeing. And they're two skills we all need for life. I mean, I don't know what the exact stat is, but there's all these stats. So, you know, like 10% of what we say is how we actually understand each other. It's kind of body language and facial expressions and tone. and, And although you can't hear it, that's what comics do, right? The images tell as much if not sometimes more of a story depending on the writer not claremont obviously um who i still do love i know we all make that joke but we i still do love him um but the, the images tell as much of the story so i think you can give the right comic to the right reluctant reader and get them interested but you can also give the right comic to the right disparaging reader and show them. Well, oh, look look at what's going on here. It's not just, and it's not giving them necessarily Watchmen, and saying, look how dense this is. It's giving them, uh, I don't know what's not going to come to mind. Even something like kind of poppy, you know, giving them Scott Pilgrim, and saying, you know, um, there's there's stuff going on in the images and, and between the characters that that is that is worth considering. It's not just fun fights there's actually some lessons they be life lessons to be learned from this comic um i can just see that on my bookshelf which is why i've used that one um but there's so many comics out there that 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 tell um a story and back to this idea that we've said before about you know like um you can learn from you can learn messages and values from from them um and just cause they're pictures with words doesn't mean they're not, they're not as valid. Um, um, and I think and so that idea of like, you know, I was saying about you know like Keith Sublin in 24, it felt like a big deal. You're getting some writers who are obviously moving into the comics realm who maybe have not done so before. So my partner, um she's an english teacher she is an avid like novel reader she'll read a novel a week um and um margaret atwood a couple of years ago wrote some graphic novels so she picked those up and you know so i think the more these worlds continue to to blend and blur the better because there's an argument you know graphic novels comics for kids oh but how Towers, is one of the best Disopen Siphon i was ever written, isn't it? It is, yeah. Oh, here's this Margaret Atwood comic that she she made. Do you fancy giving that a read? So, um, yeah, the more these lines continue to blur, I think they're better. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't know, it's just popped into my head. Like, I used to read a lot of Asterix when I was a kid. Um, I don't know if people still read asterisks anymore, but um, like that that was okay. And I read a lot of Bino and Dandy and but oh, that was okay so I don't know why there's this sudden point when you hit well, in certain people's minds where there's a sudden point that you hit where it's like well don't read comics anymore you've got to read a novel I don't know why there's that mindset and hopefully it is starting to go now um, and it doesn't need to be the Eisner award winning comics we're talking about here there's there's value in all of it isn't it, there's value in what Batman is doing, there's value in what Jessica Jones is doing there's stuff going on in all these comics that that are worth everybody reading if it's if that's their interest.
0: You can hear more from Jack on the Season's Greetings show on the Comics in Motion podcast feed, where he and Tony Farina pick apart an entire TV show season by season. You can contact him on Twitter at I am Jack's Musings. That's J-A-C-S. And you can read his pop culture views and reviews on imjacksmusings.wordpress.com. Geek is a super dummy production for fantastic universes. Find out more? fantasticuniverses.com and superdummy.co.uk slash geek you can contact the show on twitter at era of geek or by email geek at superdummy.co.uk you can support the show and fantastic universes by joining our patreon patreon.com slash fantastic universes